0: friends, welcome to the Gateway Central Podcast. We want to thank you so much for joining us today. Our community meets in the heart of the city here in Austin, and we love everyone life by life. We pray that this message inspires you and helps you become the person you were created to be. Enjoy the message. How's everybody doing this morning? Um, paying for everything with pre-tax income. Uh, In the first service, he he said that, and Q was here, and she is in wealth management, and she went, woo. and I don't understand why. Um, Imagine that. I'm in ministry, and I don't know anything about wealth management, but then in the second service, just now, he said it again, and Carrie goes, woo, and Carrie also very, very good at finance, so all I know is, if you don't know what that is, it seems like you should ask Carrie after the service, why should we do that? Yeah, great, guys. Listen, I'm going to read something to you real quick. This is Ephesians 5, and I want to read this to get us started this morning. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Jump into verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Verse 15, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil; therefore, do not be foolish. Do not do, uh, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Sing and make music in the heart, in your heart, to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is God's word, and it's a good way to start this morning. Uh, we relate to the word of God differently this morning. I know um, some of us come here very familiar with the Bible. Some of us come here wanting to hear scripture. Some of us come this morning like, it's Father's Day. I got dragged here this morning, right? Right? Welcome, by the way, if that's you. I'm so glad you're here, and I'm glad you got dragged here this morning. Some of us come here um, dropping in in the middle of a teaching series that we're in, and some of you have been following along for the last few weeks. Wherever you find yourself in that, one, happy Father's Day if you're a dad, if you're a grandpa, if you're a spiritual father to someone, a mentor, happy Father's Day. Seriously, I'm so glad that you're here, and also... We just want to say welcome wherever you're at on your spiritual journey, because today we are talking about what I think is perhaps the hardest of the one another's. We're in a series where we're talking about the one another's in the Bible, and today we're talking about what is probably the hardest one another to swallow. It really is. Uh, It's easy to talk about some of these. In fact, it's easy to talk about loving one another like we did a couple weeks ago uh, when it doesn't cost us anything. Right? When it benefits us. Uh, If you haven't learned this yet, the agape love of God that we talk about, like the kind of love that we get from God, is actually not a feeling, it's an action. And we're called to love that way as well, not just as a feeling, but as an action. But that action is actually costly. It costs something to love one another that way. And so we're digging a little bit further into one another this morning. You see, this costly love, it erupted in the early church. Uh, we've been looking at the, the book of Acts a little bit in this series where they, we get this really cool picture of the early church, the first century church, the very beginnings of the church after Jesus' death and resurrection. And I think when you look at this really radical community, What you see is that it was made up of people from all different social classes. It was made up of of men and women and rich and poor and slave and free, yet they treated each other as equals. They loved each other sacrificially. They shared everything with one another. They were giving. They were serving. And this is just a portrait that is painted for us in Acts chapter 2 and beyond that is to me a very compelling look at not so much like what we are supposed to be because I think sometimes we make the mistake when we, when we talk about God's word. It's like we, look at, like we look at people from the past and we're like, oh, we need to be like them. I don't, I don't want us to be like a church in the first century because it's 2023 and we live in Austin. Amen? You guys can talk, by the way, in our church if you want to. You can talk back to me. You can say anything you want during the service. I would love to hear your voices actually. But I'm excited about talking about what it looks like for us to be the church in 2023. What does it look like for us to show the world Christ through the way we live in 2023 here in Austin or in Houston? Or uh, in in some of the other cities that we have guests here from this morning, what does it look like for us to image God, to be light in those places? One of the things that I think is implied about the early church and that I want to talk about for us today is the concept of mutual submission. So as we talk about submitting to one another this morning, and of course, everybody goes, uh uh-oh. Like, submission is not a word that we love, right? It's a word that we struggle with, and there's reasons for that. We're gonna talk specifically about mutual submission and how important that is for us in community. You guys excited? Okay, I believe you, actually. That's good, thanks. You kind of had the 915 service uh, much better than they did. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. What we know about this... this um, this word submission is that for a lot of different reasons, it it brings up different things for all of us. And there are a lot of us here that don't like the word. I actually struggle with the word submission throughout my life. When I say submit to one another, what does it bring up for you? Uh, What image pops into your mind? Do you wince just a little bit? Do you feel like uh, some, do you feel a little bit of, like, it, you kind of want to repel the word a little bit? Does, does it raise any anger in you? I do, um, one of the, one of my favorite parts of my job is I, I get to walk with with couples on their way to, to marriage sometimes. I've, 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 I've had a chance to do that with, with some of you, and um, we, we talk about a certain passage that, that I was reading from just now a little bit, we're going to talk a little more about it, but there's always that moment when we talk about submitting and the word that I can't find a better word for it. I tried, by the way. Some of you, you know, like I, I look for a better word that, that just to make it a little bit more palatable. But the truth is, there is no better translation because it's exactly what the writer was saying. And submitting to each other is exactly what scripture is talking about. Yet we struggle with it to some degree or another. Can we agree? Because that's a good place to start, by the way. It's just good to call it out. Submit. I, we did love one another the first week of the series, and everybody was like, woo! Love one another. Let's do that. Here we are week four. And I said, submit to one another, and that was the sound in the room when I said it, right? And that's, so, that's okay. But I want to just encourage you that if your response to submission this morning is to tune out, don't do that. If it's, if it's anything else, cool. Come as you are. Let's, let's look at God's word together. Let's see what he might have to say to us. But just don't tune out. Because I think God has something for all of us, myself included this morning. When I say submission, some of you might be, be thinking of something a little bit more like, like this, right? Yeah, like there's a submission, right? Okay, so it's nothing like that. The reality is, in fact, that when it comes to the topic of submission, we all come in with our own ideas, right? And why this might be hard to grapple with this morning is because we live in a very individualistic society. That's the reality of being modern, enlightened people in a a, a modern time. We live in a very individualistic society. Every man or woman for him or herself, right? Hey, just speak your truth. Whatever that means, right? (laughs) You do you. Just do, you do you. Be true to yourself. Take care of yourself. I mean, these are all just part of the culture we live in. Submission sounds like weakness. Submission sounds like uh, oppressiveness to a lot of us. Submission sounds abusive. We can't imagine a world where power is used to sacrifice for others. Because a lot of us have never seen that. We've never seen it modeled. We fear that others won't actually seek our good if we submit, so we don't want to do that. It's hard for us to fathom relationships where there's no power struggle, right? Submission is a dirty word because in our fallen and rebellious state, we use power to tear one another down instead of building each other up. We use people for the sake of padding our own fragile egos, we wear work titles and positions like identities, and we live with a very scarcity mindset when it comes to what we're willing to give ourselves, give of ourselves to other people, right? We want to hold on to things tight. And we don't trust others to use their power in good ways. But it hasn't always been that way. The reality is, Adam and Eve, the first humans that we find in in scripture, they experienced intimacy that was untainted by any of these things. We're told that the first humans created by God in his love, they lived and they worked together from a deep understanding of God's goodness and his generosity. They were partners with one another, and and God God was, was... walking with them. They were stewarding all that they'd been given in God's good world. They lacked nothing, we're told, and they shared everything. So the first picture of humanity, Aaron talked about the word good earlier. The word good, very good, in fact, is how God described humanity. In his creation, And the picture we're given of that is this picture of us living in relationship, lacking nothing, sharing everything, and having a profound trust for God and for one another. Until one day, a lie entered their hearts. It shattered this beautiful, self-giving, generous love. They decided that they wanted to rule on their own terms. And you guys know the story, right? Snake. Fruit. Oh, no, you know. It's a little more serious than that, but you get what I'm saying, right? And the thing about it is, as a result, they turned on each other. Imagine that, human beings that would turn on each other. People that love each other, all of a sudden, at odds with each other. God described it like this, actually, Genesis 3, 16. And you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Ooh, right? Like, what? I had someone ask me once, why would God impose that on humanity? And I said, well, it's interesting if you read, I just took one verse out of there, but if you read it in context, God didn't impose that on anybody. God was telling them what life was going to be like now in this fallen-ness. You know what has happened. You've decided to live a different way. You've chosen something very different, but this is not what God intended. It was a result of choosing selfishness over selflessness. Instead of unity, intimacy, and partnership in this relationship, there's now division, there's abuse, there's, there's struggle. You're going to want the relationship to feel a certain way, but it's not going to feel that way. And he's not going to feel that way even, and, and she's not going to feel that way, Adam. And you have to understand this is going to be, there's going to be a struggle now. And this is what we've known in our relationships ever since. Marriages are about finding someone that makes me happy, somebody that will meet my needs. It's hard to imagine the divorce rate is in the 70% or so now, Right? Because marriage is about me finding someone to make me happy and keeping me that way. Work is about climbing a ladder, making a name for yourself, competing with others to get the next promotion, to get on top. The church is not exempt from any of these effects either. (laughs) We can treat the church and and those in it like a shopping mall, right? We're, We're looking to get our needs met. Otherwise, we move on to the next one. How can we begin to submit our lives to others when the default of humanity seems to work against this? That's what I want to talk about this morning. I know this probably starts a little bit heavy this morning. You feel that? It's okay. Stay with me, though. This message is going to be hopeful, I think we're gonna walk out of here inspired and encouraged this morning, or else I'm not doing my job because the stuff I'm working with is really good. The scriptures around this are really good. So, how about real quick, everybody, if you can, stand up for just a second. Let's just try to shake those arms a little bit, take a big deep breath. You guys ready? All right, have a seat. Here we go. We're gonna we're gonna jump in. We're gonna we've we've addressed the we've addressed the problem. In fact, hey, say hi to someone real quick. Take a second. Say say hi to someone next to you. Yeah, really. Say hi. Yeah. It's good. Because, guys, I want to say this. Thank God that we are not stuck in a post-Garden of Eden reality. Wait, I thought you said it's been like this ever since. Well... It has been like this ever since. It's why a lot of you feel this way sometimes. We've experienced relationships like this, but we don't actually live or we're not stuck in a post-Garden of Eden setting. Why? Because Jesus entered into the scene and he shared and he lived a different story through his own life, through his death, and through his resurrection. Jesus didn't do all this just so that we could be forgiven and float off to heaven one day. He is after a restored world and accomplishing this through us a major way that he is accomplishing this restoration is through our relationships how we live and relate to one another and all the one another's that we've been looking at over this series are the means in which we participate in this restoration do you believe that some thank you Margie, some of us lived the, with, like, like with older brothers who, who would practice WWE submissions on us, right? Like some of us grew up that way, right? Some of us uh, here uh, submit, right? And we think of like papers and deadlines and, and uh, like it's just whatever. And, and it's, it's not lost on me that on Father's Day, some of us actually hear the words uh, of, of abusive parents demanding obedience with fear. Others hear the words of a spouse or a partner who wielded verses of scripture, out of context probably, just to kind of place us under control. Others hear submission and think of religious leaders who have abused their authority. And this word submission can make us anxious because it feels out of control. It makes us feel like we're out of control. But here's really good news this morning. You have no control. You never have and you never will. We are actually out of control because control is an illusion. Now here's the great news. When we trust God's way and his relational ecosystem, that's when we live harmoniously with each other. Did, Did you just feel the pressure come off of you in your relationship? You should have a little bit. When we trust God, when we trust him, and his relational ecosystem, we live harmoniously with each other. We'll say more about that in just a couple minutes here. See, this morning, guys, this is really a message about trust. I said it was about submission, but I lied to you earlier. It's really about trust. Because trusting God's ways and trusting each other, and that is extremely hard sometimes. Anyone? Anyone? Right? It's easy to preach about it. I got to be honest with you. This is the easiest part of my job, telling you guys what we should be thinking about right now or whatever. But living one, one sentence of what I'm saying is the hard part, right? That's what, but that's what we're really talking about. It's living it out. It's taking not just hearing a sermon or a podcast or whatever. It's actually doing something with it. We're going to have some practical steps for that this morning. Because trusting God and trusting each other can be very hard. But what we will hopefully see is that, that we're going to look at what God means by submission. We're going to look at what Scripture is saying about that. And I think what we're going to find is just the, the, the absolute truth this morning. That is, when Jesus is your life, you can freely give it, give it to others. When Jesus is your life, you can freely give your life away. But it's very countercultural, isn't it? What does God say about submission? Well, the command to submit to one another is found in the Apostle Paul's letter to the Ephesians. I read a little bit of that earlier. We talked a lot about Paul in this series. There's a reason for that. It's because he's, he's kind of a key player in spreading the, the, the message, the gospel. Uh, he's, he's really taking the message of Jesus throughout the Roman world, kind of a big, big task. This letter was circulated among many young churches in Asia Minor. Uh, It's kind of modern-day Turkey. And the purpose was to serve as a guide for these new communities in how to comprehend how to live out the gospel of Jesus. Here's how you live this out. Remember, they've never done this before. They're a new community, a new family. They're made up of people from all different socioeconomic backgrounds. Again, male, female, rich, poor, uh, Jew, Gentile. They're learning how to live united around their identity, not in things or titles or positions or status, but in Jesus. They're learning how to live united around just their identity in Jesus. And there's this one way that Paul instructs them to do that. He says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ submit to one another out of reverence for Christ wait can you he... what about when they don't deserve it well submit to one another out of reverence for Christ what about when my husband's a jerk well, out of reverence for Christ not him what about when I don't like this person very much submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You still have questions, but we're going to get there too, so hang on. This statement that Paul makes in scripture, it both ends a section on what it means to imitate God and walk by his spirit, but then it also begins a new section on how to do this within familial relationships, like the most important relationships to us. The command to submit is not answering the question of who gets to call the shots in the relationship. That's why a lot of people don't like Ephesians 5 if they've never really read it and studied it with someone who, uh, who could help them understand it a little better. By the way, the Holy Spirit's the best one at, at walking us through stuff like that. So like when you read something in the Bible and you're like, I already know I'm going to hate this, ask him to help you before you read it. Because I guarantee it's better than you think. People don't like to read about submission, it's because of what we read into it, right? It's funny, I, I'm so distracted right now because I've got friends that I've walked through premarital counseling, and uh, the, the wife in that relationship, at least three of them right now, are like kind of like smiling and giggling at me, because we've had these conversations over and over again about like how how hard it is to talk about submission in a way that that, that is palatable because of what we bring to the conversation, but then how beautiful it is once we spend time with God in it, and it's like, oh... That's what this is. It's about mutual submission. The beauty of doing that and how God wants to help us do it. It's it's how we treat one another. It's not about who calls the shots. Submission is an attitude. It's a heart posture. And if you're not convinced this is worth shifting your mindset or your lifestyle, I I would say stick with me just for a few minutes here as we look at how living this out the call to to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ is truly the best way for us to flourish and to thrive in community together. I really believe that. Let's dive into Scripture, and we're going to look uh, just to see what God's desire for submission in relationships looks like. I'm, I'm going to give you just a, a few really practical things we find right in the Scriptures. One, biblical submission is reciprocal. Okay. The, the, when this letter was first read out loud in, in the first century, and what I mean by that is, remember, the first century Christians weren't walking around with, with Bibles. They were reading letters written by apostles, and they were reading the scriptures, which to them is the old, it's what we call the Old Testament. They had the scriptures. The Hebrew scriptures, but they were getting letters and Paul was writing a lot of those letters and they were letters that were being written to them and they were reading them and then they were sharing them out loud. So I I just want you to remember that because this is really important, or at least it's cool. I don't know if it's, it's cool to think of these first century people, the first followers of Jesus. And they're sharing these ideas. They're, they're reading the letter. Hey, Paul, okay, wait, that guy Paul, he wrote us another letter here. I'm gonna, we're reading this out loud, but I want you to think about this. As they're, as they're reading this out loud and they're gathering for the first time, once they got this verse, I imagine that they were absolutely dumbfounded. They were like, what? Whereas we immediately get hung up on the word submit. Or at least some of us do. This would not have been a shocker for them. It's the, the one another that would have tripped them up. Think about it. All they've known in their life is hierarchy, <laughs> right? Uh, within the Roman world they lived in, they were, they were very accustomed to the practice of submission, or at least a certain kind. But it was purely unilateral. It was how people approached their superiors, husbands, fathers, masters, and most importantly, the emperor. The idea of submission being reciprocal would have been absurd to them. But Paul is telling them they are to submit to one another regardless of their social, political, familial, or economic status. Again, I think they would have said, what What are you talking about? This concept of mutual submission widely, is widely subversive, and it was countercultural to them, I think for some different reasons. So this submission God is calling us to here, it's reciprocal or it's mutual. This doesn't mean that we submit to everyone all the time because there are times that we submit to others, and there are times when they submit to us. It's give and take. It's the only way that it works. But this also doesn't mean that we submit to others no matter what. And this is very important friends. We don't submit when it's sinful. We don't submit when we're when we're being called or lured into something that we know is against God's will for our lives. We don't submit when it's abusive. In fact, I would, I would say that's how genocides happen. That's how atrocities all over the world happen. Abuses of power and a call to a, a submission that has nothing to do with God's heart or the scriptures. Yet it gets wielded in a lot of really abusive religious ways in the name of God that's why this is so important guys that we walk by the spirit of god because when you when you're walking with the spirit when you're when you're abiding in Christ and you're in a relationship at work or at home or wherever and a little that alarm that starts to go off where it's like wait a minute this i don't like the direction this is heading I'm not I, I don't like where this is going like that is the time to press into god and like lord Show me, do I need to get out of this? Is this not where you want me to be? Is there something that I can do to to change this or do I just need to remove myself from it? Because that is also part of following Christ. It's following him and abiding in him and listening to his spirit in our lives. Submitting to others must always be confined within our ultimate submission to Christ. Biblical submission does not look just one way. The Bible's not really specific about how uh, when it comes how to how this plays out in relationships. Again, that's why it's so important that that in your relationships that you're doing this abiding in Christ. Learning what it looks like to mutually submit to one another. Jenny and I we've been married for over 15 years now and I'm telling you, we are still learning what it looks like to live in mutual submission. And it's messy. We were talking about it last night, sitting at the, at the table last night. It was funny. And I, I thought I was asking a really simple question. Like, it was just going to be a, hey, I'm going to get a little bit of, um, like, I'm going to get a little something that I can just share in church tomorrow. So I'm like, honey, can name, what are the, name a couple ways, first things come to mind, the, the way that uh, I, I live mutually submission, uh, in mutual submission with you. And she's like, um, give me a minute. You know, and it was like, we, 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 got, we got there, but what we realized when we were talking about it was, it was actually more of a conversation, and it wasn't like, well, you do this, and this, and this, and this, and all the ways that you're so mutually submissive, but it's like, no, it's like, well, you do this well, but you, well, kind of, but then you, yeah, you're still kind of a jerk about it sometimes, like, you know, and it's like, oh, yeah, we're married, right, and the reality is, it's messy, Friends, we are the bride of Christ. We are are the bride of Jesus. That's what it means to be the church. And guess what? It's messy. It's messy to be the church. It's messy to to be in a a relationship that is of value, where we're choosing to love one another. Remember, we're not talking about Hollywood love here. We're not talking about the feeling of love, the one that you fall in, you know, you just fall in love, because you fall out of love. We're not talking about the kind of love that is just like, oh, it's just, man, I just, I love the way this feels all the time. No, no, love, the most romantic, the most intense, the most profound love that you can experience or, or give to someone else is a love that says, I choose you, I choose you, I choose to love you, I'm going to love you, I don't even like you today very much, but I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you the best I can with the love that I have found in Christ Jesus. Submission is reciprocal. It's action, but submission is also voluntary. Uh, Even through, through, even though this is a command, right? I mean, we really are commanded to submit to one another, but it's still voluntary. It's something that we do from our own will, not something that is forced against our will. The literal reading of this verse says, submit yourselves to one another, and it carries the, this meaning: voluntarily yielding to another in love. It's willingly setting aside one's own interests to lift up those of another. Meekness is another really cool biblical word that we could, we could, we could put in here today. Kind of a maybe its own little can of worms, but it's one of my favorite words, meekness. Because meekness props. Up someone else and curbs our own interest it it takes our own position maybe even position of power in a relationship and it curbs that to prop someone else up we don't talk about meekness a lot because it rhymes with another word and i find that you don't hear a lot of sermons about meekness because people think it's like a weakness thing but no it's actually the the opposite to me of weakness meekness is strength under control Meekness is a big part of mutual submission because it knows how to look at someone else and say, although I could win this argument, I'm going to choose something different. Although I could tell you how this is going to go, although I'm your boss. Although I'm the CEO of the company, although I started this thing, although I'm the lead pastor, although I'm your dad, although I'm, although I'm that, and I, this could go a certain way. You know what? I want to do something different. I want to curb that because I want to prop you up. I want to see you experience grace the way that I have in my relationship with Christ. See what I mean? It's a choice. It's an action And it should happen over and over and over again in a relationship as we grow together. Come on, that's exciting, right? Like, I want that to be exciting to you. I'm not preaching well, or you don't believe what I'm saying right now. That's okay. I I, I wanna know, guys, because listen, here's why this is important to me. It says in my notes to myself, don't move past this until, until you feel like they've got it. And I just want to know that you've got it. I want this to be exciting to you. I want, I want it. This may be scary. It should be. It's heavy. But I want you to be excited about the fact that we can live in submission, mutual submission to one another. And it'd be reciprocal, completely voluntary, Because I believe it leads to freedom. This is why it's so important to me. And anybody who's been part of this church for any amount of time, you know, one of my favorite words is the F word. I love freedom. I want us to be free. I want us to know the freedom of Jesus. I want us to know how liberating it is for us to live out in obedience the way of Christ. Not perfectly, because none of us ever is going to be perfect. But God made us good and he has recreated us in his son through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And I'm telling you, friends, we can live in submission, mutual submission to one another in a way that sets us free. Sounds kind of counterintuitive, doesn't it? Because when I first mentioned submission, you weren't thinking freedom today. That's a cultural problem. We think submission, and we think the opposite of freedom, and yet I believe biblical submission is freedom. Paul explains this in Galatians 5. He says, for you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Woo! Our our culture tells us that true freedom is is to be able to do whatever I want whenever I want to do it, to pursue pleasure and to avoid pain at all costs. But we all know what initially feels like freedom is actually slavery. We become enslaved to our cravings and instead of ruling over them, they rule over us, whether it be food or drink or sex or whatever it might be. This is the tragic reversal that took place when Adam and Eve ate the fruit. There's the great deception that we we think freedom is operating without limits when true freedom is operating within the limits of our God-given nature. So in the same way, we're, we're most free and we flourish the most when we operate by our design. And we were designed to flourish by loving one another and looking to one another's needs above our own. It really is how human beings were created. When we don't, when, when our relationship devolves into a power struggle, we destroy one another, right? We, we, we dehumanize one another. We, we step on each other to try to elevate ourselves. To live free is to choose to use our freedom in loving service to one another. Because this is who God is, and he is the most free being ever. He is the most free, and we're created in his image to be like him. Now, before the, 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 we, we go on, I got one, just one more. We'll call it point four here, it's this. Submission is Christological. Did I just make up a word? <laughs> You'll have to go find out for yourself. Somebody got their phone out just now. Yeah, go ahead. Submission is Christological. In other words, biblical submission is Jesus-y. Yes. Come on, right, Stevie, right? Now, before the grammar police uh, come to arrest me, uh, my mom's actually online with us right now on FaceTime. Hi, Mom, and um, yeah, she's, she's a grammar teacher, so she, she'll love this, yeah. Submission is Jesus-y. Jesus' teaching consisted of some crazy ideas. Can we agree? Like, I don't know, the first shall be last. The last shall be first. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. What? Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' kingdom, what looks like losing is actually winning. What looks like weakness is actually strength, and it doesn't end with words, though. Jesus embodied this kind of radical submission in his life. He lived it out in action, and one of the best places we go to read about this, what it is like for us to be Jesus-y, is to go to Philippians 2, another one of Paul's letters, by the way, written to the Philippians at the time, and he says this, by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is a loaded passage, but we are called to have the mind of Christ. So then you go like, well, wait, what is Jesus' mindset like? Well, Paul tells us doing nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, uh, looking to others' interests above his own. And notice how Jesus demonstrated this. He's not forced into submission. Very important. He is not forced into submission. He does everything on his own accord, voluntarily yielding and serving in love. Though equal in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, he doesn't need to cling to his equality or prove it. Instead, what he chooses is he submits to the Father in obedience, pouring out his life unto death, even death on a cross, the worst possible death a human had ever known. This was not about emptying himself of his divinity or his power. It was actually putting his divinity and power on display as a servant. Ooh, meekness. Hey, buddy. This is my son, Zion. Yeah, hi. Here, you want to help daddy? Come on. Say hi, everybody. You just should. Whoa, this is, daddy, is this what you do for work? Um, we're talking to him, okay, real quick. Okay, cool. I'm going to read one more section here of Philippians, and then I'm going to land a plane for us this morning. In light of this Of Jesus' humble obedience, Paul says this. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him, Jesus, the name that is above every name. Zion, you really can't play the drums right now. I know exactly what he's thinking. And I think I love it, by the way. That's my boy. Um, He knows that drum set's here. But um, one more time, sorry. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You gotta go way. Super hard. Uh, <laughs> Jesus was and he still is the ultimate human. That's what I want you to hear. Whether you're here to learn about God or whether you're here to try to learn how to be a better person, you know what, either way, I think these things go together really well. The more we learn about God and the more we learn about who we are in relationship to God, he's going for the drums. You see it, right, Luann? The more we learn about these together, I think we become better human beings. Hi, honey. And here's the other thing that's so important. This is my wife, guys. My wife, Jenny, yeah? (laughs) Mutual submission, here we go. (laughs) 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 thank you Um, it's so funny because he was trying to get at the drums the entire uh, like 15 minutes before the service 10 minutes before the service he was beating on the drums and he found him again I love that Um, this is what you get when you have a pastor who didn't finish Bible college submission is utterly Jesus-y And therefore, it's utterly human. And we will become the best humans that we can be when we live out the way of Christ. The most human thing that we can do is to live in obedience to God's words. It makes the best humans out of us. Speaking of that, I want to just end our time with a few photos. And there's a reason for this. Uh, you can, yeah, you can, Aaron, if Aaron, Aaron and the band can come back up. But I want you to see, like, this is not a comprehensive list. This is just some photos that some people were nice enough to send to me of some of the spiritual dads and grandpas, tios, uh, brothers, spiritual mentors, spiritual fathers that I am surrounded by in our church. And I am so grateful to be surrounded by such an incredible crowd of witnesses like the men at our church. And like, again, these are not, this is not a comprehensive list. It's just a few of you. I admire in the way that you love your family you love your children and you love God's children here in our community and beyond I gotta tell you something friends when Paul says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ what I think of is the joy that I have of living in a community here at Gateway in Central Austin where I am surrounded by examples of just that. None of you are perfect. Neither am I. I know we get it wrong just as often as we get it right, but boy, I'm surrounded by a group of men, and we don't talk about this enough, I think. I'm surrounded by men in this community, men who follow Jesus, men who are exploring faith, men who aren't sure about God at all yet, who on a regular basis inspire me because of the way that you live for other people, the way that you serve others so well. And I want to thank you for that because again, I get to preach this morning, but it's the easiest part of my job. It's the easiest thing to do. I know public speaking might be scary to people, but believe me when I say This is the easy part of my job. Living any of it out today when I go from this place with my wife and my children and when I go to live in in the world that is outside of these doors, that is the most important thing. It's not, did I give a good sermon today? It's not, did you hear a good sermon today? It's, do any of us do anything with what we heard? Because that's what matters. And friends, that is what Austin needs. It's what this city that we love, it's what the city that, that you live in, that you traveled from today, that to be here, some of our guests, it's it's what your city needs. It's for us to be imitators of God. It's us to be light in a dark world. It's for us to walk by the Spirit and let Him lead us to live as sons and daughters where our, our identity is as beloved. It's not about being on top of something. It's not about being the boss of something. It's, and by the way, that's great stuff. I love leading our church. Thanks for letting me lead our church. I love. I love getting to do it. It's an honor. I love getting to lead you. I love getting to be a pastor to you. If if, if that's our relationship, whatever it is, we have amazing leaders. We have. We have. We have. I have brothers here in our church who have been very recently promoted in in the work that they do, and I celebrate that with you. As long as we're living in our identity, we will be the best leaders, men. We will be the best bosses. We will be the best employees. We will be the best dads. We will be the best husbands. We will be the best of the best of the best that we could possibly be we live in the fullness of our identity, and that is that we are sons of God, loved by him in Christ Jesus. And hey, the women at our church, even better than the men, let's be honest, guys. But today is about you, men. I wanted to make sure I took this, this opportunity to celebrate you. Because I am so grateful to be surrounded by such amazing men who love me, who love my family, serve the way that you do. And with that, God, I ask that you would give us more of your spirit and you would lead us into greater good for the sake of your kingdom. Not to earn your love, but because we have it. Not to earn your grace because we already have it. Thanks again for listening today. We hope that God has spoken to you through this message. Subscribe and follow us on our social media at Gateway Central Austin. Everything we get to do is because of generous people like you. If you'd like to give towards all we're doing here in Austin and around the world, you can do so at gatewaychurch.com give and choose our Central Austin campus. Thank you.